Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Elkshade Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host, Welcome to season five. Here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with a listener. He has a lot of awesome elk hunting specific questions for this September. We're going to tackle those. And by we, I mean my co-host is going to be Jake Webb. Y'all know him. He's my hunting partner for elk. We're going to tackle this guy's questions. His name's Will. He's out of Wisconsin. He is in law enforcement. He is a badass blue collar kind of dude who is going to do blue collar style elk hunts. And we're here to help him. And hopefully you can catch a couple of nuggets along the way. If you need some optics before the season, this offer lasts till 9-1-2022. Head over to eurooptic.com. Pick out your optics and enter the discount code ELKSHAPE. It'll take 20% off your glass purchase. I have a tip for you. We're just a few weeks away from September. This tip is brought to you by Vortex Optics. Remember, two is one. So make sure you have your exact duplicate release aid in your backpack at all times. I use a CarterWise Choice. I have a duplicate set to the exact same settings that I can keep in my backpack at all times because I have set down 
my handheld release, believe it or not, in the mountains and walked away from it and come to realize hours later that I was not going to find it. Dig into my backpack. I'm still in the game. So stay in the game. And this tip was brought to you by Vortex Optics. Let's get you a couple discount codes and then let's get right into it with Will. Numa Outdoors. Make sure you get the Gunnison hoodie. I would probably recommend the Pursuit pant, maybe the Pathfinder pant for elk hunting and then obviously i love the palisade puffy it never leaves my backpack discount code elk shape 20 20 off fast shipping get to it discount code elk shape takes 20 off your elite membership with OnX. download your maps ahead of time wilderness athlete discount code elk shape 22 30 off your first purchase black rifle coffee company anything under the sun on their website discount code elk shape one time use 15 off black ovis 10 off most SKUs at blackovis.com free and fast shipping awesome brand to work with sheep feet discount code elk shape 10% off keep your feet comfy and cozy and stay efficient in the mountains discount code elk shape podcast all one word for the elk collective.com appreciate you guys you have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts thanks for choosing ours here we go will sent me an email this long and uh that's a long for those that are just listening and i i got a few in my inbox where i just don't get back to people on purpose until I have a really slow day. And those are few and far between. And I, I skimmed through yours and I'm like, man, these are darn good questions. And this podcast is listener driven. And I sent you an email and said, dude, why don't you just come on my podcast and pick our brains. And the three of us, you included, will kind of work through these and maybe it'll help other people, especially with elk season, just right around the corner. Um, but we're going to get right into it. Give us a quick intro on you and also like your hunting background and what you got going on in your world. Sure. Um, well, yeah, my name's Will. Um, last name of Gore, unrelated to Al Gore, uh, spelled differently. But um, yeah, I, I'm i 30 years old. I've been hunting my entire life, really since I was 12 legally here. And then prior to that, just going out with my dad and everything here in South Central Wisconsin. So um, obviously we, we hunt a lot of whitetails. Um, we kind of manage the, the property that my parents have four whitetails, um, do a lot of turkey hunting, duck hunting, kind of, I've got a young dog that I'm, I'm working, working with to kind of polish up for this next duck season. So chase pheasants, geese, all that kind of stuff. And then recently just kind of been, you know, working on focusing on elk a little bit more. Um, I've got one, one year's worth of experience, um, of elk hunting that was out in Montana. Um, kind of on the the uh the front on the eastern side of the mountains um and got into some elk there um a lot of fun and uh yeah going out to colorado this year so but yeah as far as that's kind of kind of my realm of hunting um as far as other things i do a lot of work quite a bit and um kind of done done a lot of different things here and there right now i'm i'm in law enforcement um did wildland firefighting for two fire seasons out in Montana on a hotshot crew. And prior to that, I was in the Marine Corps, spent some time up in Alaska on a commercial salmon boat. Um, so I kind of, kind of been all over and now I'm back, back in my hometown. Um, parents live five minutes away and it's kind of nice, nice to be back. So, so you're in Wisconsin. I am in Wisconsin. Yes. What part? South central. It's a little town called Princeton. Okay. Um, Speaking of law enforcement, let's read this little email. I printed it out. It's kind of cool. I think you'll appreciate it. Uh, it says, um, and this is, I don't think I'm supposed to, uh, I can say his name, but I'm not supposed to say the law, the law enforcement department he works for, which is fine. But his name's Jeff. 
we'll call him Jeff T out of Colorado says, Hey Dan, I've followed your content for a while. And as a dedicated elk hunter, I'm always preparing for something. I am a local law enforcement officer and I've been on the job for 22 plus years on June 16th, while transporting a prisoner, he decided that jail was not for him. He kicked out my partition and the fight was on. The attack happened so fast, I started fighting back while driving and hit a car head on. Luckily, I stopped myself with my face. I woke up in the ER and immediately thought, dude, elk season is coming quick. The doctors told me I would be out for three months. I told them no. And the team of six doctors just laughed. I then told them I was getting off the bed and walking myself to the bathroom. The look on their face as I sat up and shuffled my dumb butt down the hall was priceless. Five hours after the accident, I was walking. Still in disbelief, the doctors were convinced to cut my time down to six weeks. June 16th to September 2nd, Colorado opener, which is 78 days at the time of this email. The lessons and reminders I get from you have no doubt that I will make my opener and hunt this season. Preparation is the separation, but dedication keeps me in the woods. I had to cancel my tax shoot, but it's all good with two good tags in my pocket. Thank you for the entertainment and inspiration. You can tell this story if you want, but please don't use the department name. See you opening day on the mountain. Respectfully, Jeff T. And I feel like, dude, that just embodies we as elk hunters. We have this thing that we know is so special and we can use it as fuel to drive everything. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty motivating story to say the least. So um, definitely got a little chuckle out of that because, yeah, some people don't like going to jail. But um, <laughs> most people probably don't. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think that's, you know, yeah, elk hunting is a huge driving factor, I would say, into staying in shape. And I think that's a good, good way, especially for law enforcement or firefighters or whatever the case may be, you know, to actually, I think it's a good goal like you're going elk hunting okay i need to be in top shape for this um which also helps you on the job in all reality because i you know i i know of i know law enforcement officers that you know aren't in the greatest shape um and you know i've got my opinions on that but um you know i think it's important from the job aspect to, to stay in shape as well so elk season just kind of promotes that um, which is a really cool thing because then you're kind of killing two birds with one stone, so to speak. Couldn't agree more. I mean, you wake up every day and go to the job, not really knowing that you could face any eventuality at any duration. You and you could literally be in a fight for your life. Why would you not be in shape for that? Why would you not train to where you're in a position to do a well and come home to your family? And so you owe it to your family. And then as elk hunters are listening to this, you owe it to your elk hunting partner. If Jake takes a tumble down the mountain, he weighs 190 pounds plus his gear, probably going to leave his gear, but I'm going to be physically fit enough to be able to have his back. And I know that he has mine and that is a prerequisite to be hunting partners. Yep, absolutely. I, I agree. Let's get into your questions. I know you have a ton. Sure. Let's cover yeah. as much as we can. Yeah, so I guess I'll start out with... Um... 
hunting burn scars. Um, we kind of, my buddy who I'm going out with, his name's Leo. We were, we were firefighters out West together. So we kind of, we really kind of hit it off because he's, he likes grinding it out in the back country and, you know, he'll go the extra mile, which is great. And I'm, I'm the same way. So, um, but through our fire experience and, and, you know, the, the hunting experience we have with elk and, and other things, um, we're like, well, Hey, let's, you know, let's see if we can actually hunt some burn scars. Um, cause you know, within several years that regen starts happening, you get more veg, all that kind of stuff. Um, and those, those burn scars that ultimately hopefully turn into meadows and have a lot of nice tender vegetation and things like that for elk. Um, so I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on that. Do you have any experience with, you know, hunting old burn scars that are relatively recent um, or have recently burned? Um, you know, if you have, have you hunted them where these, these wildfires were in more open country? Were they, you know, in heavy timber? Um, and kind of how, how that all ties in with, with elk and the movements and everything um, in and around those, those areas. This podcast is brought to you by NUMA Outdoors out of Texas. NUMA has been awesome to Elk Shape. They've been very supportive. I love the rain gear. I think it's probably the quietest on the market. Huge fan of the Palisade Puffy Pursuit Pant, Pathfinder Pant. They have merino wool base layers as well as synthetics. Check out NUMA Outdoors. Discount code ELKSHAPE20. Vortex Optics out of Wisconsin. This is a veteran-owned company. This is one of my favorite partners. Been working with them since 2010. Get yourself some Vortex Optics. 10x42s, maybe a 65-85 millimeter spotter. Angled, in my opinion. Check out the Rangefinder line. They got a Razor 4000, a Viper 3000. They have all the options. They work. They stand behind their product. VIP warranty. If you break it, they'll fix it. And they're just a great company. Discount code ELK10 at eurooptic.com when you buy anything from vortex take 10 percent off also vortex wear elk shape will get you 20 percent off their awesome hunting clothing lineup discount code elk shape will take 20 percent off vortex wear that is the clothing i wear when i'm scouting going on date night or working out so check that out vortex optics great partner one of the most amazing companies and super proud to work with them check them out today on x hunt elite membership 99 bucks but when you enter the discount code elk shape it'll take 20 percent off and you get the best most reliable been in the game the longest hunting app map period we're also going to get access to hunting pool top rut hunt reminders and now the elk collective onyx is a partner of mine they also are the headline sponsor of elk shape camp season 2023 year five brought to you by onyx and we're even doing a mini camp for elite members only in spokane my hometown me and mfjj are going to put that on become a member come to that camp or come to any camp trust me download your maps ahead of time e-scout from a desktop and use onyx gonna elevate your game buck knives out of post falls my neighbor i drive there to have the factory resharpen my knives prior to every elk season i use a skinny knife that 113 is money i also like a deboning knife i'm not a scalpel guy i think those are for poking holes in bear hides quite honestly so check out buck knives they've been in business for a hundred plus years and if you want your knife sharpened you can send them to the factory and they'll sharpen them and send them back to you buck knives all their products are made here in the u.s and they make things possible here at elk shape matthews archery sparta wisconsin continuing to lead from the front with innovation and giving guys like me who aren't the best at archery allowing us to be pretty darn confident in the field with their equipment right now i'm running the v3x29 as my main hunting rig and my backup is the v3x33 super excited to put that thing to work this fall and i hope you get a chance to check one out soon go to a local dealer near you magview this is where you can get rid of your lousy digiscoping case i'm not going to say other brands but y'all know what i'm talking about those big bulky cases put them away magview it's all magnets keep the phone you have in the case that you already have or put the magnet on the back of your phone and rock and roll and you can digiscope it's seamless it also provides 
a lens cover for your spotter and you can even attach it to your binoculars and get some really crispy aeroflight footage or that big buck or bull that you want to get footage of you can now do it in the field so check out MacView, and you can enter the discount code elk shape it'll save you a little bit of loot yeah man um so when i was a actual firefighter i only took on i think a couple of wildland fires so let's have you kind of explain to our listeners the differences between a really hot burn versus a kind of a more natural lightning strike slow burn the differences in the feed features and then what happens to the timber and what a burn scar is so let's just kind of have you set the standard then we'll go and tackle that yeah okay so i mean if you have a really hot burn a lot of stuff's just gonna get you know well burned up um and you're gonna have a lot less residual fuels on the ground because it just it burns up so and that can include heavy timber there's generally you know heavy timber that's still gonna be standing um definitely has a tendency to fall um i mean i've been in fires where everything is just absolutely torched and you'll be standing on the fire line after the fire's gone through you know and you'll literally be patrolling the fire line and there'll be trees taken over and um you gotta be careful about that of course um but so you know, there's that. And then those lighter burns that are a little bit slower, they may not necessarily, um, you know, burn everything. They'll burn the underbrush and everything. But a lot of times those trees will survive depending on what they are, if they're mature enough and everything like that. So, um, but yeah, burn scar just being essentially what is left over, what's residual from, from those fires going through and um kind of what's left after that so um a lot of that stuff pops up on on apps like onyx you can look at historical uh burns on there and it'll tell you the year when it burned and so i mean you know just looking at those um and just really kind of trying to figure out like okay well we don't want to go too old because then you're going to get a lot of regen that's going to be probably pretty thick um you're going to have like out in montana you know there's going to be a lot of lodgepole pines that are 10 to 15 feet tall and you can't hardly walk through them the elk can you can't <laughs> or not, you can't can't walk through them well um somehow they managed to, to snake their way through there but yeah that's uh just kind of i suppose a little bit of a topical um explanation of of the differences so yeah our hunt plans will generally include areas that have been burned and everyone wants to know like what's the magical number of right. years and I don't think you can answer that, but I would say less than five year is good. You have to watch out for those hot burns where things grow up so thick, so fast, it's worthless, or it's downfall hell and the elk love it for bedding and feeding, but they, I mean, you're not going to get in archery range on them without them probably picking you off. Last year, 2021, we went, and I, I say this unit because, um, I don't think people should hunt there. And I say this unit because we've already said it on YouTube and I never do that, but I'm doing it. Unit nine, New Mexico, we went there last year, it was a horrible hunt. But if you remember, Jake, we the, the, we found a fire that burned in 2020 and where it burned was weird. It was like in the flattest of the flattest timber. And we really overlooked it to be quite honest. Like we didn't spend a ton of time in the burn because there was this sexier country only to come back to the burn I was there the last day and the elk know where the best eats are. They know where the best food is. And I would be damned how many elk were in the old burn from just one year prior, flat pine trees. The trees were still like burned a little on the side of the trees, but it was a nice slow burn and the feed was fantastic. 
and the elk didn't seem to mind at all that it was fairly flat topography and very wide open. Um, mm -hmm. It was actually really hard for me. I got in on some elk, but truth be told, they really kind of picked us off at about 60, 70 yards because it was so, it, all it was was standing timber and grass. They could see forever it was flat. They had the advantage. So even if the elk are there, is it good topography? Is it good terrain? So there's a lot of decisions that you need to make. But I just remember last year being kind of laughing at myself, like we probably should have checked this burn first. I can give you a little insight too. So the first archery bull I actually killed in Montana was in a burn. And one of the reasons I went there is I mapped it out on Onyx. I looked at it on Google Earth and the burn was about three years old. And what made it appealing to me is the burn was like fingers. So there were sections of timber that didn't get burned. And then there were sections that did. And there were still some water sources in there. So what you had is you had timber that they could bed in and they could hide in during the day. And then they could come out and they could feed into those burned areas that had fresh grass. And the bull that I ended up killing, I was able to glass that bull because the fire had burned through there and it was just standing matchsticks. So I could glass through that stuff, see the bull, and I was able to call him up to me. But that being said, it was downfall. I had to pack him out through downfall, which really sucked. But at the same time, there was bulls in there. There's elk in there. So you got to kind of judge that. So there was good timber for them to hide in. There was good feed. There was water there. So it was kind of like three best things for elk. But it wasn't enjoyable to pack that thing out. But that's just what we do. And the parallels there between micro meadows which excite us as elk hunters a lot more than giant meadows right we love micro meadows and we like burns but the elk do too and they like the edges so if you ever find yourself in moon dust and all you can see for a mile around you is a burned area you're not going to kill an elk in moon dust in the middle so working edges of burns and working edges of micro meadows same principles apply um what are your thoughts on so I spoke with someone who has quite a bit of elk experience from the little I got to know him. I, I shot an archery competition here this last weekend. Um, I got to talk and met, met a bunch of people. It was really great. Um, but anyway, he, he had mentioned that sometimes he'll hunt depressions off of roads, um, you know, really, you know, steep downhill drainages, downhill drainages, drainages. Um, and um, because a lot of people, a lot of people aren't ambitious right so a lot more people are nowadays but you know his thought process was okay you know like this is only a short distance off the road but people aren't going to want to pack an elk out of this because they got to go uphill um so you know that's another thing that's kind of rolling around in my mind especially going to colorado you know where i know there are a lot of people um because it's i mean that's why we're going it's easy to get an otc tag so you know have you you know what, what are your thoughts on that you know i mean I guess it's kind of trial and error to an extent from, from our perspective, but you know, are you, is that something that you've done in the past? You have you killed bulls and you run into elk, you know, short, short ways off the road down in, you know, super deep drainages and things of that nature where people just aren't willing to go because they, they're not that motivated. Yeah. So in North Idaho and Southeast Washington, which is a draw only area, it's called the Blue Mountains. I'll talk about that first. All the hiking trailheads and roads get you to the top. And then it's just, it's like breaks. It's like the mountains flipped upside down. So you, the elk are never above you because you're at the highest point. 
and elk are always in the bottom of these hell holes. And I'm here to tell you, there it absolutely sucks to pack them out of these things. And then also evenings, especially a lot of folks are hesitant to drop down because they know it's probably not worth it. And if it doesn't pan out, there's no way they're getting back to the top till way after dark, which mm -hmm. is a huge advantage for public land hunters with ambition. And I do agree with you. I think there's more ambitious archery elk hunters than ever before. And I hope to take a small credit for that. But I do think that there's just a moving, like a rising tide and guys that are training year round and showing up in shape and are willing to put in the work, which is what is required. In North Idaho, it's a, situ a similar situation. It's all hell holes. It's all, they're always down. And the elk actually feed, this is crazy, but like they'll feed up at night. And then in the mornings, you'll kind of catch them maybe still high. And then they jam back down to the bottom. And it's cooler, there's water, you're always having to drop hell holes to chase out. So that's good. But I think the real question is your, or maybe the answer you really want to know, and this is what I'm going to tell you is overlooked areas to me are more interesting than popular trailheads with 30 trucks out there where everybody's going in deep. I am such a non-committal elk hunter. I hate over committing. I hate the fact that, you know, you got to burn the commodities up just to get into th these backcountry elk. You know, I say it all the time only to find out other elk hunters are already there. It's just a matter of time before those elk get moved. And in Colorado, especially, it seems like those elk run a circuit of just nonstop intrusion from hunters and Doug Flutie, and it's got them doing big loops. So don't overlook any area, but do what we do. We don't burn precious daylight hours, which are the only hours you can release an arrow through a bull's lungs investigating a depression off the road. That's a perfect spot to pull up three, four hundred yards around a corner, park your truck, walk out with a bugle tube at 3.30 in the morning and send out a locator or 11.30 at night. And I picked those two time stamps on purpose. Those are the times when most, the 90 percenters are asleep, studying their eyelids. And that's when guys like me take advantage of that. And I lose sleep, but I'm least locating elk. And then I am hunting those elk when it is daylight hours. And that really maximizes your time. How many days do you have set aside for this Colorado hunt? Um, we're looking at probably 10 to 14. So September is pretty wide open for us. Um, like I said in my email, we just got to, we got to go with a time frame at some point in the near future. What are so, you yeah. leaning towards? What dates? We were, that's where kind of our dilemma is. And that was another question I had was, um, we know that the muzzleloading season, I believe it begins on September 10th. Um, that sounds a little early. Okay. It's, it's right, right around mid September. Um, but in any case, you know, we were thinking like, okay, well, we could go out for the opener. Um, in our minds, well, the elk, elk are going to be ideally a little bit less pressured right off the bat, but then you're going to be dealing with the, the opening week crowds. Get in a muzzleloader. I mean, I know you can hunt with a bow. I'm not sure if you have to wear blaze orange or not, um, but then you're dealing with the muzzleloaders. And then you get past that point and the elk are a little bit more pressured, but ideally they're a little bit ruddier. So that's kind of our dilemma. So we were kind of thinking on going on either side of muzzleloader season so either early september over the, the week the weekend opener um or pushing it back to pass muzzleloader season and kind of hunting the tail end of september okay i wish i had the regs in front of me i've always thought that the that muzzy 
and I should say timeout listeners don't email me the exact dates because I don't have in front of me but generally speaking I always thought it was like the, about a third week in September when they gave the muzzy guys their their crack at elk and I hate the Cohen I hate the overlapping in Colorado because it's so unlimited tag whereas like in Washington we hunt muzzy a lot of the years for elk but we hunt with bows and it overlaps and we don't have to wear orange and I'm not concerned about getting shot. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But there's not unlimited. There's just not that many people out there. In your instance, I would probably lean towards getting there prior to the muzzy guys. And then I would look at your full moon dates. I believe it's September 10th or 11th this year is your full on full moon. And then so every day leading up to that full moon is really good elk hunting. If you look at it from a moon perspective, which I don't, but I'm just saying, if you do, that's something to note is like, you really want to catch those days that lead up to the full moon versus after. And so that would also be another reason to go. Now you said 10 or 14 days. I hope it's 14 because how many hours is it from Wisconsin to Colorado in your truck? I think it's about 20 while well, we're going, we don't have a set unit yet, but you know, I would say probably like between 21 and 25 hours, give or take. Um, so it's, let's it's go with long. 24. Let's say yeah. it's 24 hours and let's say, you know, you're going to maybe move camps a few times. How many times do I move camp in a week? We move camp every day, every other day. <laughs> okay. So we move a lot and you are going with a buddy. Yep. So that's two days of your 14 or two of your 10 that you're behind a windshield. Assuming nothing goes wrong with your transmission. Nothing goes <laughs> wrong with your trailer. <laughs> tire and that you actually go to the first place and find elk and it all works out for you so out of those eight days are you guys hunting together or are you guys going your own ways yeah i think we're gonna hunt together um and i know that that decreases our individual chances of shooting an elk but that's not really our concern we're probably just gonna you know hey you got the bow today and you know you're shooting tomorrow kind of thing um so you are literally elk hunting four out of the 10 days because two Absolutely. is for driving, four is yeah. for calling. And that's assuming you're not looking for a wounded bull or packing meat, which I hope you are, or just other things go wrong. Need to get to town and, and call wife. She sent, sent me a message to get a hold of her. You know, just stuff, stuff always happens. Elk mm -hmm. hunting. There's always going to be things and drama. It just is what it is. So as long as we're prepared for that, that's good. Yeah, I'm going to campaign for, be there for the opener mm -hmm. and really hit it hard prior to that full moon day it should be really good and then be extremely mobile potentially have a cutoff date where you guys are no longer hunting together and you're like we need to up our odds we need to and, and then we're going to separate and i would almost have you guys leave your bugle tubes at home when you if that decision is made to where you're not going to vocalize you're going to commit to the tactic of being sneaky and quiet, which sucks because like, what if you really need to send a locator bugle out there and you don't have a tube with you? Well, you're going to have to sit on top of the ridge and wait for them to bugle on their own, which again, is not a bad thing. And yes, I work with Phelps Game Calls and I promote their calls, but more times than not, my tube is put away. Elk yeah, are getting hit to this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you said something, so I'm assuming you guys are driving down in the same vehicle? Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. So, especially with the as price nowadays. So, yeah. <laughs> Are you bringing uh, like mountain bikes or e-bikes or anything like that? No, we're just gonna we're gonna hump it. So, um, so you know, one that's... thing that I'm, I might suggest is you're not gonna put any boots on the ground in tail season. So you're gonna be doing right. a lot of e-scouting. 
Yeah, when you guys initially drive down there to your plan A spot, get there, set up camp, I would split up and find elk first. Mm-hmm. Like you okay. need to you need to find elk. Once you find elk, then you guys could hunt together. But definitely both of you guys should be carrying your bows. That That's exactly what we course. did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You might be 40 yards this way, and he might be 20 yards this way, and the bull comes this way, and yep. the guy that's not supposed to be the shooter gets an opportunity. And right. if he doesn't have a bow. Yeah, and that, yeah. We, we went to this new unit. We'd never really been there. And the very first thing we did after we set up camp was, I'm going to this canyon. Ended up being 11 miles. Sorry, Hunter McWaters. Um, death marched, but he took the low ground and um, I came back, didn't see great elk sign, never heard a bugle, pretty discouraged. He's got a shit eating grin on his face, almost killed a six point first day out. And, and he's not like, hold, he's like, dude, we're gonna go to the, where I was. That's where there was several bulls. Like, and that's so cool when you're working together as a team that way. That's like the best tip yet was to divide and conquer. And then, mm-hmm. um, then you guys can you know, run your game plan. Yeah. And that being said, so like either have radios or Garmin inReach, but the thing like I know if Dan is out by himself, I'm not expecting to see him until dark. Mm-hmm. If I don't see him by 11, I'm going to go look for him. Right. So like your hunting partner, you need to know that he can take care of himself in the woods, in the field. But at the same time, say, hey, at noon, let's have a check in to see what kind of sign that you've seen, because if you're seeing signs, and I'm not, I'm going to leave there and I'm going to confine you and then we'll split up from there. So yep. like have checking times, have, you know, a plan and kind of attack that because the hardest thing for you guys is going to be locating elk as soon as you get there. Well, this athlete discount code ElkShape2022 takes 30% off your first purchase. Get a bundle of Hydrate, Recover, Energy, and Focus. The greens, you got to have those greens. You're not eating enough vegetables unless you're eating 10 salads a day. Backfill with a good multivitamin, some fish oil. Check out their entire lineup of meal replacements, protein powders, all in the name of Better Elk. This is not a marketing company. This is an actual supplement company. Quality brand. I've been with them since 2006. Great company. I stand behind them. I want you to as well. Spy Point's got that new flex trail camera, man. Dual SIM. You can get transmissions regardless of the cell phone provider in your area. If it's AT&T or Verizon Tower, doesn't matter. It's going to send it to you. And the transmission plans are just that. It's all included. You don't have to have a cell phone or a monthly fee. You just download the Spy Point app and start getting your images. They also have a bunch of affordable trail cameras that are not cellular. So where legal, utilize the app, pair it with their trail cameras, and you are good to go. I love trail cameras. They give me all the little information I'm looking for on animal behavior, animal densities, inventory on big bucks, big bulls how many predators are in the area, and hopefully some sort of pattern that I can take advantage of as a bow hunter. Check out Spy Point today. Fire International, I'm a hoodlum through and through kind of guy for elk season, but I do have the hellbender. Love that for throwing trail cameras in or packing out elk. I keep the hellbender at the truck for when I hopefully I get a big bull down. I can go pack it out with that. I can pack and will pack an elk out with the hoodlum. They also have an awesome lineup. The checkpoint bag is my laptop bag where I put all my camera gear when I travel. And they also have stuff for you whitetail guys like the Shape Charge. Check out Kafara International. They're a huge partner of Elk Shapes, and they've supported us for several years, and I still think they make the best frame in the entire universe. Crispy boots, crispy hunting, crispy USA. Everything starts from the ground up. So pair your crispies with some sheep feet. I have a discount code ElkShape takes 10% off sheep feet. Crispy boots, buy them at Black Ovis or anything else. Discount code ElkShape takes 10% off. I am rocking the Laponia 2 and the New Colorados. And those are my one-two punch for elk hunting. Vacu e-bikes made for hunters by hunters. Discount code ElkShape takes $300 off your first bike. Take that money and buy yourself a backup battery or a trailer so you can haul that precious elk meat out. Vacu e-bikes out of Utah. Black Rifle Coffee Company. 
company, Coffee is Life. I'm drinking coffee right now as I record this. Elk Shade is the discount code, 15% off the Coffee Club of the Month. So you pick which coffee arrives to your doorstep, and you decide how much coffee arrives to your doorstep. And you can also use that discount code if you want to pick up some BRCC swag, a coffee mug, or bags of coffee for presents, whatever. It's a one-time use. Discount code Elk Shade, 15% off. Smokewood, fatty meat sticks. We are adding these to our arsenal of elk hunting. This is the most delicious meat stick in the entire world. My buddy Ryan, he founded Under Armour with the boys back in the day. He started this company. He wanted to make something that was sourced locally. So grass-fed beef, raised without antibiotics, no sugar, gluten-free, no nitrates added, no MSG added, like super clean, pure protein. I usually pack three or four sticks in my hunting pack. It's 20 grams per. It tastes awesome. It's Sweetwood Smokehouse Fatty. Check out the 3.0s. That's what we're rocking. Link in the show notes will get you a discount 10% off your online purchase. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'd uh, definitely take that into some strong consideration. So, <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So I guess moving on from that, I'll switch over to my bow setup. Um, so, you know, for the, for the listeners, I guess, um, you know, my, obviously you kind of have an idea of what I have, but, um, so I shoot, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit behind the times now. I shoot a Matthew Z7 Extreme, um, and I'm shooting my whitetail setup. Um, and prior to, well, really even during my first elk season, like I really didn't put a lot of thought into arrow weights and all that kind of stuff. Um, mainly because when you're hunting in the Midwest, you don't really have to worry about that stuff too much. And so kind of just listening to this podcast, honestly, and, and other, you know, stuff on YouTube and everything like that. Um, it seems to me that my setup might be, it, it's definitely on the lighter side. Um, so overall it's going to be about a 420 ish grain arrow. And I know that a lot of guys like yourself, you're shooting high 400s, low 500s. Um, so I know I'm on the low end. Um, but I am just kind of curious if the setup that I have, I know it'll kill an elk. Um, but I just want to know if it's, it's, if it's an ethical choice, so to speak, when it comes to trying to kill an elk, um, because the last thing that I want to do is go in there and not have enough arrow. Um, and yeah, it'll kill the elk, but then you don't find it or something like that. Um, or if you have a marginal shot and you know, if you had a heavier arrow or a larger broadhead, you might end up getting that elk versus not finding it. Um, so I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on it. I actually just the other day listened to your, I think it was your most recent podcast, Dan, um, with the Black Ovis guys. Um, and I know, I believe he mentioned that he was shooting uh, arrow around 430. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to kind of hear your thoughts on that. I'm definitely willing to to switch things up. I mean, I'm very comfortable with, with the setup that I have. So, I mean, if I don't have to switch a lot of things up, I don't necessarily want to, but I'm certainly willing to do so if it means, you know, being successful if i'm afforded the opportunity to shoot an elk you know what's your draw weight and poundage you're shooting so i'm shooting it's a 70 pound um 70 pound draw weight i probably got it set at 65 um i can certainly crank that up um 29 inch draw length um so yeah and i don't know i don't even know i've never shot my bow through through a chronometer or anything so i don't know how fast it's shooting quite honestly yeah me personally just i've killed a bull with an arrow that light and the one thing i will say is the arrow went completely through him but i shot him at 20 yards with a 70 pound bow and it was double lung and i never found the arrow just because it sailed all the way through him 
but that was a it was a four mil vap which was extremely light and i believe it was right around that 420 the thing that i would say is you don't have a lot of forgiveness there so like a quarter and away shot into the ribs or into the scap that arrow i think it actually eliminates any thought of a quarter and two shot as well when you're going to go that much lighter mm -hmm. we'll give you i'm going to give you some caveats to jake's point but i think a lot of guys think elk are broadside and then they shoot and maybe they lucky and find it and then they're like oh man that was actually more of a quarter and two shot and the reason why i say that's because i've done that a handful of times where i'm like smoked it and then um a little bit harder blood trail recover it kind of look at the entry exit and, and didn't get an exit or got half the arrow in them and i was like dang i really thought the elk was broadside and it happens fast so i think before you worry about the arrow i would really worry about the broadhead and then kind of work your way backwards mm -hmm. and the broadhead options for you what's your total grains on the broadhead that you've chosen so right now i'm just shooting 85 grain slick tricks i don't even know if they make 85 grains anymore um how long i've been shooting those but um so i was thinking about upping that to either 100 or 125 um i know that would throw my um foc off a little bit i think right now i'm sitting at um like 11 or 12 percent foc and uh, what's your so, front end componentry of your arrow so i've got i shoot eastern axis five mils um and then i've got just a standard hit insert in there that weighs 15 grains yeah it's somewhere around I can promise you your FOC ain't even 11%. Okay. I can promise you you're under 10 and that's garbage. In my opinion, I think after this phone call, go buy 125 grain broadheads, put those mm -hmm. on your 15 standard hit inserts that that's fine. And then you're going to bolster your FOC by an incredible amount. Like an incredible box to me, it's like three, four percent more FOC to get closer to that sweet spot of 13 to 15 in parentheses, in my opinion. And then the slick trick's good. I've killed an elk with a slick trick. In fact, I shot that elk in 2014 at 10 yards through both shoulders, not through the knuckle, not through the shoulder blades, but through the meat of his actual shoulders and through the heart and got a pass through. And I was using a full metal jacket with slick trick and it was a four blade slick trick. I know they've changed that. They have a couple other options now, but I want you to consider like, I love the, I love the Easton access five mil match grade. Love that arrow. It's a little heavier GPI, but it's good. Um, the hit insert, I used to run brass. So you can get a 50 or 75 grain option, break it off. That would always get a little more weight up front. And then I'd use a hundred grain broadhead. I would maybe look at running an impact collar from iron okay. wheel. They make a, they have a, they have a steel and an aluminum option. Which one's 10 grain? Is it the aluminum? So you have an aluminum collar. It's going to make your arrows a little bit longer, not much. And you can put that with the hit insert and then maybe screw on a hundred or 125 grain broadhead. Do the math, find the sweet spot for you. Maybe test and tinker. And then get yourself, I mean, you could run that slick trick. I know they make 100s and 125s. I know that I haven't made a complete decision yet, but I have it narrowed down to, I'm either going to shoot an elk with a Grim Reaper, Micro Hades 125, which I've done in the past and had tremendous success, even through shoulder blades, or I'm going to use an iron wheel solid single bevel left on an elk this year. And I finally got to test that broadhead on a bear 
and bears aren't hard to shoot through, but the hole, the entry hole got me so stoked because I was worried about the kind of cut on contact with bleeder single bevel. And I know the iron will is the best actual material. I mean, obviously the price reflects it, right? But that's my conundrum to figure out is which one am I going to go with? I've typically gone away from iron will just because it is so expensive for broadheads. But I think uh, this year I'm leaning towards an iron will, believe it or not. What are you running? That's exactly what I'm going to do. So I'm shooting an iron will, but it's a double double bevel. And I have pretty much banked on that and I want to shoot elk with it. So I've shot elk with three blades and super happy with everything that you know, I'm seeing as far as blood and how fast they're dying, stuff like that. I really want to shoot an elk with an iron wheel just to test these out and see what it does. So I think it gives us an opportunity to have more shot angles when you're dealing with an uh, a broadhead that's so sharp and penetrates so well. Um, his tests back that up. And so that quartering two shot, I probably mm -hmm. won't hesitate as much. I still hate that shot, but I won't hesitate as much as I would in the past. Not a frontal shot taker by any means. I have done them in the past, actually quite a few, but I'd say all in all, I need forgiveness because I am so much better in the backyard with no backpack on, lots of sleep on board, no pressure in my flip-flops, sun's out. And that is not what's going to happen. I'm going to be feeling rushed and anxiety to get rid of that arrow. I'm going to be battling Dan and being like, stay in the moment, talk to yourself, stay conscious, wait for the shot keep pulling, you know, all that stuff. So don't screw this part up. You need to make an, a change. You need to make a change. We didn't say you have to go heavier. We just are asking you to manipulate your weight for sure. Yeah. I mean, you'd come in at 420, but I want your FOC closer to 13 to 15%. And I'm thinking maybe an impact collar and a very sharp, don't be shooting your, your, your number one arrow through target at camp and then putting that in your quiver. No, I want a virgin sharp as F broadhead to go through a bull's lungs absolutely yeah cool okay yeah um yeah so and i you know you, you mentioned that as far as shooting your flip-flops and such in the backyard and um you know moving more towards my site and everything like that with this next question but i this this competition i had um more this past weekend was i it was that's the first 3d shoot i've ever done um and so it was at a ski resort it was it was more of a it was it was a physical event as well as a shooting event um and so when we were shooting the 3d course there weren't a lot of targets when we were conducting the, the physical portion of it but there were several um and that i think really i mean I, in my opinion that's as close as you can get to the real life thing you're you're winded you're sweating you know you're shaky all that kind of stuff um and so but i noticed that um when i was shooting when we we're doing the physical portion as well as when we we're doing the more relaxed 3d portion you know i was shooting i was shooting left um, my elevation was good the the distances were anywhere from five yards out to 60 yards but i was pretty consistently shooting left um i did not i didn't shoot well i didn't shoot extremely poor i shot average um and you know that's something i definitely you know i need to work on um if i took anything away from that however i don't have a site that has third axis adjustment. And so there were a lot of, of angle shots on this course and it very well could be, you know, the way I'm releasing or I'm torquing my bow as I'm releasing or something like that. But what are your thoughts on running, you know, a, a site that does not have third axis adjustments um, versus um, I'm running an, 
have been since I bought the Bowen HHA optimizer light, where it doesn't have that third axis adjustment. Um, and what factors play into one, a site that doesn't have third axis versus one that does when you're shooting angles? Okay. Try, I'm going to try to not sound like a jerk. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try not sound like a jerk, but there are, people like okay. there are people listening that'll be like, you don't need third axis. I've done it this, that, the other. And I'm, my, my, I'm talking to them, get your own podcast and have people email you questions and you can answer them and give them your opinion. So all I'm saying is this is just my opinion. Will emailed me. So archery specifically elk hunting is a game of inches mm -hmm. millimeters i can think of two millimeters that prevented the guy next to me from punching his tag last year two millimeters that one little twig that you didn't see that sent your arrow on a broadside bull that you bugled in uh and it's happened to all of us and so i'm fighting for i'm fighting tooth and nail for every millimeter when it comes to this game of inches called archery and I feel like I could not shoot total archery challenge and do well without a third axis. And I'm not saying I hunt elk and take total archery challenge shots, but I may end up having to take a follow-up shot on a bull, which I will. And what if it's a attack shot? It's like 89.9 yards and the bull's bleeding. I only hit his liver or only caught one lung and I could get an arrow in him. Well, why am I so obsessed over third axis for attack shot because it really matters. It's a difference between a 10 and an eight and a five, quite honestly. And so I don't run anything uh, out West without third access. And I find it to be hypercritical. And if you've never done a site and I don't work with any site company on purpose, I wanna be a free agent to tinker with whatever I can for YouTube purposes. I would say black gold is your best bet for the easiest third axis. Now you guys got a ski hill. What's the name of the ski hill near you? So this was actually, it's not really in my backyard. It was down in Southwest Wisconsin, but it's called Tyrell Basin. And yes, so I've been I, there. there was, okay, yeah, so. Elk Shape Camps 2023. Whether you are a brand new elk hunter, a seasoned veteran, or somebody in between who's maybe intermediate, you've had some success, but quite not the consistent success, consider coming to an elk shape camp in 2023. Five locations, four three-day camps, one two-day camp. I'll break it down. Phoenix, Arizona, January 20th to 22nd. We'll actually be at Wilderness Athlete HQ. My entire squad will be there. Stonewall, Texas, March 3rd through the 5th. That's outside of Austin. That's going to be a phenomenal camp. We did it last year. That's one of the best facilities we've ever had. It's the basically the NUMA owner lets us invade their ranch. It's a great experience for everyone. Speaking of ranches, Julian Ranch, just outside of San Diego, California, March 31st through April 2nd. Then back to Vortex Edge in Barnville, Wisconsin, April 14th through the 16th. And last but not least, we're going to do an exclusive elite member only from Onyx two-day mini camp in Green Acres, Washington. MFJJ, myself, and the boys, June 17th through the 18th. Pre-sale starts August 1st. Lock in your rate, get set up for camp, and set yourself up for future success. I hope you plan on elk hunting for the rest of your life. I know I certainly do early bird starts 9 1 september 1st regular registration starts november 1st and for you slow pokes late registration starts january 1st 2023 all our camps involve you getting exposed at what you're weak at and getting a blueprint for how to mitigate that and make it a strength whether it's your calling it's your fitness it's your nutrition it's your shot execution it's your shot process it's your equipment it's your tuning it's your e-scouting it's your tactics whatever it might be we're going to figure out a blueprint for you whatever's getting in the way of you finding success we're going to help you crush smash that learning curve and produce consistent success year in and year out. I hope to meet you and your friends at Oak Shape Camp.
Yeah, I mean, I think the elevation, you're starting at around 500 feet, going up to a little bit over 1,100, something like that. So, um, you know, some of the slopes definitely were relatable to what you find out west. They're just shorter, and you don't have the elevation. Yeah, so that was that was uh, that was really great, just being able to to experience that. Because again, you know, I've never taken a shot. I mean, you, you sit in a 20, 25 foot bow stand around here, um, and it's relatively flat country where I am. Um, so yeah. you don't really have to concern yourself about making any adjustments for elevation. Um, you just put it put the pin behind the deer's shoulder, and you know your arrow will go there generally. So well, here's your here's your homework. <laughs> Here's your homework for you and take it for what it is, but what's your, what's your max effective distance that the line in the sand, you won't shoot it up past this distance. Yeah. For, I would say for an elk, probably 50 yards, um, white tails for me personally, I'm not going to shoot past 40. Um, just cause I've, I've shot it at white tails. I, you know, I've shot one at 40, but that's kind of my, that's kind of my, my max range. Um, you know, as the, as the summer progresses up to elk season, you know, I might, I, I'm, I'm relatively consistent shooting at 60, um, but I would like to start shooting further because obviously then you bring the target in closer and it's going to feel a little bit easier to shoot. And um, so, you know, I might be able to push that out to 60 if I feel comfortable at the time we go out there, but I would say probably 50 on elk. I think 50 is very appropriate. My goal is to shoot an elk with my top pin. I'm sure yours is as well, but I would have, I'm going to task you to find some sort of 15 to 20 degree slope which is very realistic for you. I mean, you come over to my house, we'll get you a 30 degree slope in two seconds, but let's get you a 15, 20 degree slope. Take your target, your whatever target you have, roll it down the hill to 50 yards. And I want you to shoot a group of five arrows at 50. And I want you to tape a white line that's completely perpendicular on that target to the ground. So it's a very vertical line. And I want you to make the middle of that target stick out and you're going to just focus on that shoot five arrows downhill take a picture study it what if all five are left of the vertical line okay take that target hike it to where you just shot from and now you're going to shoot uphill at 50 yards and now all your arrows are opposite they're to the right that is a true third axis adjustment that would solve both those scenarios which is mm -hmm. so when you shoot left on steep downhills, you'll shoot right on steep uphills and vice versa. And that's a mm -hmm. teeny tiny set screw on that black gold site that you can sight in, which there's no other site that I've found that has anything that easy to where it's like literally crack a set screw, turn it. And if your arrows were all left at a downhill shot, you would literally just turn it to the right. You kind of like take that screw and you turn it the direction you want your arrows to impact on downhills mm -hmm. specifically. And it's just a teeny tiny adjustment. And then that would just mitigate the game of inches. And that's something you can control. And we are promoting to control the controllables. So that's mm -hmm. your homework. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And you know, one thing I failed to mention is before the, before the archery competition, I actually, there's, there's a gravel pit, you know, right down the road. So I got permission to go over there and you know, I was just setting my target up right on the cliff face, on top of the cliff face, shooting up, shooting, you know, um, bumping it off and then just shooting, shooting down slope. So I, I, can, I can get some pretty good angles there. Um, and I have that, you know, I, I can, I can pretty much go out there whenever I want since I got permission. So that, that's pretty, pretty nice. It's, you know, five minutes down the road and, uh, 
So, um, yeah, and all this stuff, I mean, you know, this is awesome information and, and great knowledge. Cause I mean, like I said, I, you know, being, being a Midwestern bow hunter, you just don't have to take a lot of that stuff into account around here. And so I just never did. Um, and so like all this stuff with FOC and third axis and arrow weight, um, you know, it's all relatively new to me for the most part. So I'm kind of learning as I go. And that's ultimately why I sent you that email. It's like, well, heck, this guy really seems to know what he's talking about. Um, and I've, I've gleaned a lot of information from your podcasts. And so it's like, I'm just going to reach out to him and, you know, see what he has to say. Um, and so here we are, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. Awesome information. Definitely stuff I'm going to implement for sure. So. Do you yeah. have any more questions um, for Will? Um, one of the tips that I would say, you, you know, this from doing whitetail, but your your scent and the wind paying attention to that is going to be huge um and yeah. that's going to make the difference whether you're going to punch your tag or not so making sure that you have good wind and you know if you're 800 yards away it's not that big of a deal but if you're within 100 you better make sure that you have good wind so that's the worst thing you want to do is only have six days to hunt and start busting bulls and you're not going to see them again I would right. say whitetail hunters typically almost overreact to scent because that's what they know. I'm a whitetail hunter, by the way. So like I started whitetail mm -hmm. hunting way before elk hunting. And so I get it, but like, you don't need a Ozonics taped or strapped to your backpack. Okay. You don't bring like scent free detergent and wipes. You, that's, that's literally like, you're not mitigating something that you can, like you're going to stink. You're going to sweat you have to be strict on your best practices when it comes to getting the win right and i would say most guys are pretty good the first three or four days until until they get their teeth kicked in then once duress sets in fatigue and desperation goes up shortcuts start happening where i don't want to do the extra half mile 800 vertical gain to get on their contour i think the wind's okay i'm gonna risk the, risk the biscuit so stay true to like not being lazy getting the win right and don't be back at camp i don't want to hear or see pictures of you with the clothesline in your scent killer and then spraying down with elk piss those are just it's just something that you don't need to worry about yeah yeah um yeah and i you know speaking of the win you know jake you mentioned that where i think that was one really awesome takeaway that i had from wild and firefighting out there because you you had to be familiar with the environment around you, the atmosphere, conditions, the topography, the wind. Um, and so doing that out in the mountains and, you know, feeling the faintest, you know, wind shift was awesome. I mean, it's, it's very comparable to hunting elk and then, you know, going out and hunting elk and then, and then understanding thermals and everything as well, you know, upslope, up valley, downslope, down valley, like that stuff is all you know, I can take that right from the fire line and apply that to elk hunting, essentially. Um, and how wind, you know, wraps around fingers and it, it's, you know, and then when you get out there and you actually experience it, you know, like I said, I, I got on elk, I got, I only had a cow tag. Um, I ended up, you know, doing a little bit of e-scouting, um, went up and, you know, I found elk. I saw seven bulls the first day. I saw more bulls than I saw elk. And I got up on, on some, um, I got up on, on one within 50 yards just to 
just to do it. Right. It was right. It was the day before the bow opener. So I didn't have my bow with me, obviously. Um, but that stuff was really awesome, you know, and then like you get down into these drainages, sub drainages, and you can feel that wind switch, um, with the topography and the way it just shifts around these fingers and things like that. And so it's like, yeah, I, I appreciate you bringing that up because I mean, that's, that's huge. Um, when it comes to elk and I know I was busted a couple times out there. I know that. And you know, it is what it is, but it's all, it's all a learning experience. So. <laughs> well, what we'll do, Will, is uh, won't you ping me sometime mid to late October when I'm like kind of back to reality and uh, let's do an after action report with you, what sure. you did well, what you absolutely screwed up and give us the play, like the play-by-play -play of, like okay. we want to learn from you and guys, we're all students of the game. Like this isn't, you don't master this. There's levels to this and they're endless. So thanks for coming on and bringing the questions that you have. Where can people find you? Are you on Instagram? Yeah. Um, I Instagram, you can find me will underscore Gore. Uh, my last name is spelled G O R R. Um, and, um, I just started a page, um, <laughs> just kind of for kicks and grins to see where it would go. It's called almost average outdoors. Um, and uh, it's almost underscore average underscore outdoors. So um, I haven't posted a whole lot on that one yet. And I don't post a whole lot anyway, but uh, so yeah, if people want to want to follow me on there. Great. If not great. So nothing. We'll leave a link in the show notes to both those Instagram accounts. And then I mean it, we'll do an after action report guys okay. listening like this is a this is a listener driven podcast this is what i live for is helping people and watching them succeed so your success is our success so don't let us down stay on your grind <laughs> sounds great and i really appreciate both of your times it was this was great i didn't expect this and you know what you guys are doing is, is awesome i mean you got a great podcast and um just keep doing what you're doing so thank you appreciate you man god bless all right you too bye-bye all right, guys, hope you enjoyed that question and answer with Will. He has some really good questions. Hopefully, maybe there's a nugget or two in there. Appreciate Jake coming on and helping me answer those. That was fun. We're so excited. September is almost here. This is what we live for. This is what we train for. And speaking of training for elk season, we have our camp lineup for 2023. We're doing four full-on three-day live camps and a mini camp pre-sale, which is going to be about 45% off retail price get your spot locked in starts august 1st we're going to phoenix arizona stonewall texas southern california right outside of san diego vortex edge in wisconsin and my hometown green acres washington pre-sale starts august 1st tickets will sell out this year again get ahead of schedule get it on your calendar i hope we can elevate all our game together separations in the preparation here we go